First John, first week, we will talk about who are you doing life with? Who are you doing life with? That's the theme of chapter one of First John. Who are you doing life with? Who are your friends? Who are you doing love with? Who is influencing your choices? Who is influencing your, your, your decisions? Who are you doing life with? You know, the term salvation has become a very, a very religious term. Very religious term. When you hear the, the term salvation, you, you understand that it's from someone who goes to church. It's a religious word. Most people don't understand what they need to be saved from in this generation. When you say, are you saved? People don't really understand what they've been saved from. When you say, come to Jesus and you shall be saved. Come to Jesus and you shall be saved. It sounds like a religious slogan. Come to Jesus and you shall be saved. Even some people in this room, if you tell them, come to Jesus, you shall be saved, they feel like, saved from what? Maybe because people are comfortable with their lives. They have food on their table. They have health insurance. They have government, social security, Medicare, and all that. So people really don't know when you say, You'll be saved. They don't know. It doesn't resonate with them. Saved from what? I'm comfortable. What are you going to save me from? I'm not in danger. But another reason why salvation is such a controversial word is because it's often attached to the anger and wrath of God. Every time you hear someone talking about salvation, they normally talk about eternal fire and hell. God wants to save you from fire. You should run. Come to Jesus and you shall be saved from death, from fire. So it has become like uh, a scary idea when we talk about salvation. So the word salvation has lost its original meaning because either we, it doesn't resonate with you, you don't feel like you need any salvation, you feel comfortable, or... Every time they mention it to you, they talk about hell and death and all these bad things you don't want to hear about. But God did not come to save us only from sin and all the consequences of sin. The message of salvation is not just about God want to save us from something. It's also about what God wants to save us for. The message of salvation is most importantly about what God wants to save us for. Not just from. He wants to save us from something so that he can save us for something. And the for is more important to God than just the from. But we have been talking about the from for a long time without emphasizing on the for, what God wants to save us for. 
He always delivers us from something towards something. He always rescues us from something for something. God's intention is not just to save us from danger, but to point us towards something. And that's what the book of John is all about. The book of John explains what God has saved us for. 1 John 1, 1-3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This is the, a direct witness, eyewitness of something. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The author is using the pronouns we and you. We and you. He is distinguishing two groups. Those who have seen, touched, and heard directly from Jesus and those who haven't. Those who have experienced something and those who haven't yet experienced that thing. The author is an eyewitness who is inviting his audience to something. The author has experienced something and he wants his audience to come to experience it too. If you read that. The author is calling his audience into fellowship. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So we have seen, we've heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. You may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The message of the Bible is not just about God saving us from danger. It's also about God saving us for fellowship. The Bible is not there to tell us that we were supposed to die, we were supposed to perish, and God came and saved us. So what? After salvation, what happens? God intended to save us from something for fellowship. From death to fellowship. One of my brothers left home when I was very, very young, maybe 10 years old in 1989. And he went to the capital city, Kinshasa, of capital city of Congo. And he went there for uni. So he left home, he went for uni. For 15 years, I think, 14 years, I did not really hear much from him. Uh, I received a few gifts, a few letters, but I did not know him well. I was not doing life with him. He was not home. It was not there. So in 2004, uh, after, my, uh, after my wedding, after my wedding, with, uh, he, he sent me $400. He said that was a very good way to start a relationship. He sent me $400. Then he called me 
you know, the $400 already opened my heart. So, and then he called me. We had a long conversation. Imagine, after 14 years, you know, so I didn't really know him well. Then we had a very long conversation. And since, since then, we, 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 we started to talk often. He's a pastor. He's got a big church and many churches. In fact, he oversees many churches. And he, he talks to me as a younger brother pastor, and we talk about so many things. And we kept, he kept calling me, and we talk often. We, I've learned a lot f- about, about him, so I've got to know him. And he, he knows me now, and he's become part of my life. Almost every week we, we talk, we chat on, on, on WhatsApp and messages, and he's part of my life. What was the difference between the first 14 years and the last 16 years? What do you think is the difference? The difference is that we had the relationship before. He was still my brother. We had the relationship, but we did not have fellowship. We were not doing life together. You can have a relationship with us, with someone, without having fellowship with a person. A relationship is just a title. He's my husband. He's my son. Fellowship is doing life together. Relationship is being part of my life. I know who you are. You are my brother. But we developed fellowship. We do life together. When God created Adam and Eve, he wanted them to enjoy fellowship with him. God wanted to do life with them. God wanted to be part of their daily decisions, daily choices, daily plans. That that was God's intention, that human beings will fellowship with him on a daily basis. He will be part of our decisions. He will be part of our choices. He will be part of our life. We will remember him, him every day. God's created us to do life with him. God knew if we are left on our own, we will destroy ourselves. God knew it. And it happened. If we are left on our own, we will destroy the environment. So we are not going just to destroy us. We will destroy other people and other things. And we have done it. Look at us. Humanity has done it. From the beginning of the Bible... God wanted to be part of our lives, but we rejected him. God was not angry for Adam to eat a fruit. Who will be angry because your son ate a fruit? Who will be angry because your daughter ate a fruit? If they are hungry, they should eat. God was not angry because they ate a fruit. Forget about that. God was not happy that they chose not to listen to him. The point was not that you ate a fruit. Who cares about a fruit? God created fruit to be eaten. But the problem was they chose to do life alone. They chose to ignore his voice, to ignore his advice, to ignore his point, and listen to somebody else, and started to do life without him. That was the point. They chose to disconnect with God. That was the problem. Not just a simple fruit. It was the heart behind the fruit. The fruit represented pushing God out of your life. 
not listening to him. Sin is when you choose to ignore God's opinion. Sin is when we fall short of God's standard. When Adam and Eve chose to ignore God, they lost fellowship with God. They were still God's creation or creatures, but they lost fellowship. Doing life with God, hearing from him, and being able to communicate with him. That is what they lost. They decided to do life without him. They decided not to involve God in their decisions. And that's when humanity started to destroy itself. That's when we started to destroy ourselves. All the evil we see on earth is the result of our decision to do life without God. All the woes you see. All the sicknesses you see. All the pain you see in families. All the chaos you see around. All the things I don't want to mention are the result of people made a decision to do life without God. And we destroy ourselves when we do life without God. We destroy ourselves. The author of 1 John is calling you into a dual fellowship. This is the good news. You are invited into a relationship and fellowship with two things or two directions. A vertical fellowship and horizontal relationship. So there will be a relationship with up and a relationship with others. Relationship with up and relationship that goes horizontal. So that you may also have, may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ. So what he's calling them to is, I want you to have fellowship with us. He's calling them to fellowship with them. The horizontal fellowship. But at the same time, we have a fellowship with the Father. So what he's doing is, your fellowship with us and our fellowship with him will become one. If you join us, you will be joining him because he has joined us. Does that make sense? We have already fellowship with God. If you join us, you will also have fellowship with God. Horizontal fellowship, vertical fellowship. A vertical fellowship. Let's talk about vertical fellowship. God created us for fellowship with him. We are saved from sin for fellowship. God pulls us from danger. He pulls us from death. He pulls us from consequences of sin so that we can live with him. The author tells us how to fellowship with God. Let's look at this. First John 1, 5 to 7. This is the message we have heard from him. And declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in, dark, in, the, in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Simple. Fellowship with God is walking in the light. Wow, it sounds simple, isn't it? Doing life with God is living in the light. Again, simple. 
So what does it mean to walk in the light? If I ask you what does it mean to walk in the light? Don't try to figure it out. It's not, it's not hard. It simply means that you see the roads more clearly. Who doesn't understand that? Walking in the light means you see clearly. Even Doug understands that. Walking in the light means you can see clearly the road. Simple. There's no, there's no code. There's no code there. It's simply, I can see. It simply means that you see your life as God sees it. Walking in the light means you can see your life clearly. You can see yourself clearly. You can see other people clearly. You can see what God sees around. You can see the beauty that God sees in people. You can see also the evil that God sees around. You can see clearly. Those who walk in the light, they see, and, uh, follow me, follow me. This is not judgmental. They see themselves as sinners. You see your wrongdoing clearly. When you are wrong, you admit, you see how wrong you are as God sees it. You are walking in the light. You see your sins as God sees it. You understand the damage of sin. You understand how sin can destroy one's life. When you are walking in the light. But also, you understand the forgiveness of God. You don't just understand the danger of sin. You also understand that God is forgiving. You understand the grace of God. You understand God can forgive you if you repent your sins. You understand the love of God that he's calling you to him. You also understand that. You don't just see your sins. You also see the solution to your sin that God has provided if you repent. So if you just see your sins, you're not seeing yourself in the light. And if you don't see your sins, you also don't see yourself in the light. You need to see both. See yourself as a sinner, but also see the solution to sin that God has provided. I see myself as the forgiven sinner. I think that's a good way to put, to put it. I see myself as a forgiven sinner. I see myself as a sinner who has been forgiven by God. So I don't reject the fact that I'm a sinner or I make mistakes, but I also acknowledge I know, I know God has forgiven me. I know both. I know both. First John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John acknowledges that as human beings, we need to admit that we are sinners. And we make mistakes. And we ignore God. And we forget his word. He, he admits that. If we ignore that, if we claim we are not without sin, we deceive ourselves. Those who walk in the light acknowledge that they are sinners. They acknowledge their failure. And they acknowledge their need for a savior. People don't understand they need salvation because they don't see themselves as sinners and they don't understand the consequence of sin. 
If you walk in the light, you see the consequence of sin. You know there is fire awaiting. There is death connected to sin. There are, there are damages in life because of sin. Selfishness. You can see families being broken because of sin. You can see the environment being broken because of sin. Because of selfishness. You see what is happening in the world. You see that. At the same time, you acknowledge your need for a savior. You know somebody can fix this. And Jesus has done it. Has fixed it. You also acknowledge the love of God and the forgiveness of God. 1 John 1, 9 to 10. It is still the same, the same, the same chapter. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Walking in the light does not mean being perfect. No, walking in the light is simply implies that we all sin, but we respond to sin differently. Some people don't even recognize their sin. Some people recognize it, but they do nothing about it. Some people recognize it and continue to beat up themselves. Why did I do that? I wish I didn't do that last year and the year before. Stop beating up yourself for what you've done. It's okay. Jesus has provided solution for sin. God does not illuminate our sins to shame us. And I'm not here to shame you. God does not point out your sins to make you feel condemned or blamed, or ashamed. Every time God exposes your sins, he wants to give you an opportunity to confess and make things right. Every time God points your sins, he's not being judgmental. No. You know what? Judgmental people are arrogant. If you are judgmental, stop it. People who point other people's sins, just point other people's sins, they condemn other people, you're arrogant. Those who walk in light, they recognize their sins and confess them. Confessing your sin before God is to agree with God. Is to see sin as God sees it. Walking in the light helps you to see sin as God sees it. Confession is simply agreeing with God. God, I slapped my wife. That's very wrong. I'm sorry. God, I ignored my husband. I'm sorry. And I won't do it again. Please don't forget that. Don't do it again. God, I didn't listen to my parent. I'm sorry. You see it as God sees it. It's pride. Call it by its name. That was pride, God. Forgive me. I did not listen to my mom. God, forgive me. That was a lie. I lied to my wife. Forgive me. Mention it. Agree with God that you see sin as he sees it. That's confession. Confession is not just to talk about it. I've listened to many people on TV. They come out. That's what they say. I'm coming out. They are all just blaming someone. The whole story. You know why I left that man? He was doing this and this and this and this and this and this and then they leave. Ah. All this confession here was about how evil your husband was. You did nothing wrong. You were perfect. Perfect in that relationship. No, please. Take some responsibility. 
Take some responsibility. God invites you as you are with all your sins. Then as you come as you are, he will start to illuminate one by one. He will start to open your eyes to see your sins one by one. And as you see them, he's giving you an opportunity to confess. And every time you confess, he forgives. That's what the Bible says. If we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive. And once you for, you've confessed, forget about it. God has forgiven you. Receive that. It's his promise. And as you confess, you begin to have fellowship with him. You begin to fellowship with him. Doing life with God does not imply a sinless life. Let me be clear. It's a life of growth. We take one sin out at a time. You don't need to be perfect to be in fellowship with God. No. You just need to admit that you are a sinner and you are working on it. God wants that. Just to know that you are working on it. You are do making one step at a time. That's what God wants from us. What is the light? The light is the Bible. In Psalm 119 verse uh, Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. When you read the Bible, it illuminates your life, and you see your life as God sees it through the Bible. Doing life with God is making Jesus' opinion the filter for your perspective. God wants fellowship with you. God has made provision for you to do life with him. It's not hard. It's only start with making the Bible the standard for your life. If you admit as the Bible is the standard for your life, you are doing life with God. You are fellowshipping with him. Just listen to what the Bible says and make that part of your standard, of your decisions, of your daily choices, what the Bible says. Let's quickly talk about the horizontal fellowship. In 1 John 1, 7, he continues. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The author implies that our walk in the light will automatically affect our fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light, our fellowship with one another will automatically be affected positively. Our vertical fellowship affects our horizontal fellowship. Our fellowship with the Father affects our fellowship with people around us. How can we claim that we love God? We don't see. If we fail to love the people, we can see. Oh, I love God. I love God. But how are you treating people around you? People you can see. How are you treating people? How are you treating your husband? How are you treating your wife? How are you treating your children? How are you treating, treating your boss or your employees? How are you treating people around you if you love God? Is the vertical relationship affecting your horizontal relationship or not? If you have tried to mediate conflict before, if you have, which my wife and I have done many times, you will agree with me that the most difficult conflict to resolve is when both sides think they are right. Ah, uh, you know what I'm talking about. When you will sit with some people and you're trying to resolve a problem and you talk to this one, they say, I'm right. 
look at what she did to me. And then you listen to this one. I'm right. Look at what he did to me. That's the hardest conflict to resolve. When everybody's right, there's nothing to fix. Everybody's perfect. It happens a lot. You do it every week. Just look at, remember, remember that conversation last night. You were right, isn't it? Yeah, you were right. The danger of everybody assuming that they are right is that they are all walking in the darkness. And none of them can see their fault. If you're walking in the light, whenever there is a conflict, the first thing you see will be your contribution to the conflict. Now, not just what the other person did. No, how did you contribute to make it like that? You may not intend to make it that way, but maybe you just did, <laughs> and that <laughs> caused the problem. <laughs> Admit that, oh, I, I'm sorry I did. <laughs> just start from there. Start from there. You may be looking for, for your contribution somewhere else, but there may be maybe just an attitude, just an attitude, and that contributed to make things worse. Walk in the light. Admit your part. Nobody is innocent 100%. Every human is at fault somehow. In every human conflict, nobody, nobody is 100% right or 100% wrong. We all play a part. The reason why our fellowship with God af uh, affects our fellowship with people is because when we have the right fellowship with God, we treat people with compassion we respect one another. We love one another. We are quick to apologize for the wrong we've done. We do, we, 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 we do to others what we would have them do to us in everything. That's why our fellowship with God affects our fellowship with people. We follow Jesus' principles. That's why our vertical fellowship affects our horizontal fellowship. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Do something about this. To build your relationship, your fellowship with God, you need to own your behavior. Own it. The whole purpose of God to illuminate your sin is to help you work on yourself. You cannot change a behavior you don't own. Let me give you three three things to do before I pray for you. One, take full responsibility for your sin. Don't blame someone else or beat up yourself. Beating up yourself is another way not to respond to God. So blaming other people or over blaming yourself, they are both wrong attitude. Just own it. Two, take your sin to God. Don't keep it. Don't keep once you acknowledge you've done wrong, give it to God. Forgive me for what I've done. Surrender it to God. Don't keep it. And once you've repented, once you've confessed to God, it's not yours anymore. You are forgiven. Once you've repented to God, you are forgiven if people remind you of your past. Ignore them. What matters is what God says about you. Not what people say about you. People can keep blaming you. They, if they want, let them write it in their notebooks. Let them, not, not in their notebooks, in their Google Drives. 
Let them keep them online, somewhere safe that it won't be deleted. Who cares? It has been deleted in God's books. The unperishable book, book of heaven. It has been deleted. So let them remind you. Let them do whatever if they want to put in the news. Let them put it in the news. Who cares? God has forgiven you. Give it to God. And the final one. Take a step forward. After you've given your sin to God, don't dwell on the past. You've been forgiven. Make the next move forward. Don't just stay there. Oh, I've damaged my marriage. I've damaged my life. So what? So what the next step? Stand. What am I doing next? Do something. Keep living. Mistakes are human. We make mistakes. We fall and we stand again. God has given you another opportunity to stand and move again. Once you've repented your sins, it's not your sins anymore. Give them to God. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Move on. We are saved from sin for fellowship. We are saved to do life with God and with people. So before I pray, I will say this. Don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Don't isolate yourself. What Satan wants to do is to isolate you. Don't do life alone. Church is here for fellowship with God and people. We have church to connect you to the vertical relationship and horizontal fellowship. Do not isolate yourself. Connect groups are designed for fellowship with God and fellowship with others. First John encourage, uh, encourages us to connect vertically and horizontally.